So we are in our week three of our uh, slow drive, our slow country drive through the gospel of Mark. So if you have your, your copy of God's Word, either your printed copy or your digital copy, we'll have them on the screen. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. And guess what? Next week we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. And the week after that, Mark chapter 1. And I think even the week after that, we'll see. But we're just going through uh, intentionally with all of this. Um, and I've had several people come to me and say, you know, it, it, you preach some series and you even preach through some other books and stuff. But I want to know sort of the story of Jesus. Just link together the thread. And so that's why we're doing this. And it's important for us to do this. And I would encourage you to read through in your, in your own time uh, with the Lord. Just read through uh, the book of Mark. Um, the last couple of weeks we talked about some uh, general introductions about the book of Mark. Who wrote it. Who it was for. Uh, you can watch all those services online. And we also introduced, uh, before we introduced Jesus on the scene, we introduced John the Baptist. Who was the one that made the way. He paved the way uh, for uh, Jesus. And so we talked about that. And then we also talked about uh, the wilderness. We can find ourselves in the wilderness. And that's where, that's where, where John was. John drew people out to the wilderness uh, to uh, hear the gospel message, the, the good news, and to be baptized. And so, but we can find ourselves in the wilderness in a, in a few different ways. Number one, we can find ourselves uh, in the wilderness by decisions we have made in our lives, either, either with our health, with our finances, with our relationships. Some bad decisions, we can find ourselves in the wilderness. And we say, we cry out to God and say, God, please help me. And the wilderness is where you go and meet God. We can also find ourselves in the wilderness by disruptions of life. When life throws a curveball at you, you lose your job. A loved one passes away. You know, you get a bad health uh, diagnosis, whatever. Th those disruptions in life can lead you out into the wilderness. And again, you find yourself in a place where you say, all right, God, I need you. We just sang a song about that. God, oh God, I need you. And it seems like in those times, God just seems to draw nearer to us and praise the Lord for that. So we have, um, we have decisions, disruptions, and then we also have uh, direction. God will often direct us into the wilderness. And you say, does God bring us out to the wilderness to, to, to uh, bring bad things on us? No, what I'm really talking about, he brings us out into the wilderness to do hard things. The wilderness is hard. It's a harder place to live than in the city. Okay, like if I, if I were to just drop you off in the middle of the mountains in North Georgia and say, you got to stay there for two weeks by yourself, no supplies. <laughs> I mean, that'd be, I couldn't do that, right? I, I couldn't even find my way out of the wilderness, okay? And so, but, but the wilderness is hard and sometimes God will direct us to do hard things. So why is that? So he could stretch our faith. And, and when God directs us into the wilderness to do hard things, then he will be with us and he will show that he will provide for our needs. And so as we move through chapter one, today's message is about Jesus picking his dream team. Everybody say dream team. Yeah, we, uh, remember the dream team? What was it? Not, Landy, was it the 96 Olympics? 
92 Olympics, whatever, where we had the dream team, the basketball, all right? Uh, the NBA dream team, that's, that's really kind of where that, that phrase came from. And you may have been in the uh, position in the past, or you might be in a position where you have been able to pick a, a, a dream team. Maybe not in basketball, but maybe you own a business, or you're in a part of leadership in your business where you get to choose those people who are part of your dream team. You get, to people, you get to pick the people who get to help you, get to, uh, get to help you move the ball down the court. Some of you who are parents, uh, you get the opportunity, or who are, who are married, you get the opportunity to pick your spouse, okay, as you're dating. Girls, you'd be like, mm, no, not that one, not that one, not that one. And eventually, God will land someone their, their feelings for them, and God would speak to you. And, and same with guys, okay? You get to choose your spouse. Now, the Lord, if you really choose through the Lord, then, then you can have guidance with God the Father, which is amazing. And that's really the, the best way to do this. But, but really, it's all about you being able to choose that. Now, if you're a parent, you don't, you don't really get to choose your kids. God really kind of does that for you. Unless you adopt, like us. And some of you may have adopted. Uh, we have some people who have adopted in this room, some families. And you got to choose them, okay? I tell our biological kids, I've told them before, look, I didn't get to choose you. I didn't choose you. God chose uh, you for me. And I'm grateful for that. We love you. But the, the adopted kids, guess what? We chose them. <laughs> Yeah, and they had to choose us. Literally, they had to stand in front of a judge, and 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 choose us in return. That's why it's so such a beautiful um, picture of Christ and the church. Uh, maybe if you were good at sports, you you were able to pick a kickball team. Okay, uh, I was usually one of the last ones chosen uh, because I wasn't really all that athletic, and still I'm not. But uh, you may have been in that position, or maybe you've chosen a fantasy football team. How many of y'all have ever done a fantasy football team? Yeah, okay. How many of y'all are doing really, really good right now on your fantasy football team? Nice. Okay, so you're going to, River, I'm going to get you to help me with my team next time. So, but Jesus gets to pick his team, his dream team. And, uh, and how does he call people to follow him? How does he call people to follow him? Well, let's look at Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20, and we're able to, um, to see how he does this. So Mark chapter, uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 14. After John, John the Baptist, was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Now, just so you know, Jesus is around outside of Jerusalem area, the southern part of the kingdom around Judea, okay? And he, then he goes to Galilee up about, it's about 70 miles north uh, up around um, the um, uh, this, the, the sea there, okay? The Sea of Galilee. And so he goes up in that area and, uh, and he says this, proclaiming the good news of God, the time has come. That's very important for today's message. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, which would be later Peter, and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Another translation says, I will make you into fishers of men. And... Um, and then he says, at once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. 
Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So, a little time has passed since the last time we, we saw Jesus and John the Baptist. Jesus, last week he was, he was baptized by John the Baptist, and then he was sent out into the wilderness. God, the Holy Spirit, uh, directed him out into the wilderness. And for 40 days, he spent time with God where he would, he would meet with God the Father, and uh, he would fast, and he would prepare, and the Spirit would prepare him for his ministry. And then also, um, so we, we have this break where, where, where Jesus goes up to the north part of the kingdom, and John gets, bat, uh, John gets arrested, and, um, and then Jesus starts his ministry. So probably several weeks, maybe even a few months has passed, since John baptized Jesus and Jesus was sent out into uh, the wilderness. And so this calling that we just read, the calling to follow him, for people to follow him, I believe as you look at this, has three components. When God calls people, when Jesus calls people to follow him, there are three components that we find right here in this passage of scripture. Number one, we see that it's an urgent call. It is an urgent call. Back there in verse 15. The time has come. The time is now. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. It's here. It's important. How many of you consider yourself to be a planner? Like you like to plan things. Okay? Great. I love to plan things. Like uh, if I didn't have my to-do list on my phone, I mean... And I would be a wreck. I would just be like, man, where, what am I supposed to do today? And I love to plan. And so uh, I, I find myself, even on vacation, like planning something. Like if we're going to a different area, um, of the part of the country on vacation, I don't want to just sit in some sort of room. I want to experience I want to have an adventure of what is going on. So we plan. Okay, we go to Colorado. Guess what? We plan. We, we go and we see what is out there. I'm that person at Disney with a spreadsheet. Yes. I'm that person at Disney with a spreadsheet. I like to plan. I like to know when is the best time to ride certain rides, at what part of the day. I like to experience new attractions. And so because of that, I plan accordingly. And... Um, so if you're a planner like me, you have the Greek word called chronos. It means the measure of time. In fact, we get the word um, uh, chron- chronology, uh, chronology from it. That's calendar time, watch time, clock time, okay? So Greek word chronos. But Jesus, when he talks about the time is now, He uses a different Greek word. He doesn't use chronos. He uses kairos. Kairos is an epic time. It's a a bigger time. It's a time has come. Jesus is saying that God is ushering in a new era. Okay? He's ushering in a new era, working in a new way, doing new things. What Jesus is signaling here is God is not only bringing a new era and new things. He's saying everything you read about in the Old Testament and everything that was prophesied is 
coming to pass. The time is now. The time has come. Jesus is trying to wake them up to the fact as he's preaching the gospel, the kingdom of God that was talked about and prophesied has come. The kingdom of God did not come in the way that we would naturally expect it. It came in Kairos time. The kingdom of God came at the proper moment when God orchestrated all of this stuff and it came at the right time. And yet, the kingdom of God is not fully here. That's just different about Kairos time. It's like it was ushered in, the time has come, and guess what? We are still, we're, we're still in the New Testament. We are still living in the New Testament. The New Testament has continued. The Holy Spirit is doing its work in our lives, both individually and throughout the church, throughout the world. And so the kingdom of God came, but guess what? It is not fully here, which is very exciting. We are in the middle of the kingdom of God being developed all around us. If you are part of the church, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are part of that kingdom. So the kingdom came at the proper time, but is not yet fully here. Another word to say it is the now, but not yet. The now, but not yet. It will be fully completed in Kairos time. And so many of us, we, we don't like to... Uh, we don't like the word now sometimes. Have you ever told your kids, hey, um, could you go clean up your room or do the dishes? And what it, a lot of times they say, I'll do it later. Have you ever had your voice in, in your head saying, you, you need to call someone or you need to start, you know, working out at the gym or, you know, you know uh, talking to people, uh, building relationships. And, you know, uh, call your mom, call your dad. And you think, you know, I'm going to do that later. I'm going to do that later. We're so distracted, and we don't want to do it now. But Jesus is telling us. He's not just telling these people back then, because the kingdom, we're still in the kingdom of God. It's still being developed. And Jesus is telling you right now today, the time is now. The time is now. We cannot wait later. There are people that you know who don't know Christ, who are dying and going to hell, on their way to hell. The time is now. Over the past several weeks, I've been introducing the idea that I believe that God has laid upon our church. And as a shepherd, I'm just, I'm just, I'm leading. I'm just leading. I'm not driving you. I'm just leading you. The fact that we need to, we need to give, we need to invite, and we need to connect. That's, a, that, that's the three things we need to do in 2024. 2024. That, that is our focus. We need to give. We need to invite. We need to connect. We cannot wait, church. We cannot wait. The time is now. And that give, invite, and connect, you know, those are just three words that are just, it's just a summation of what Scripture tells us. Scripture commands us to give to the Lord, to invite others. I mean, that's the last thing Jesus said. 
Okay, go and make disciples. You can't make disciples unless you invite them. Invite them into that relationship. Invite them into your space. Invite them to church. Invite them to a, a life group. Connect is a word that's a summation of what's in, in, in the gospel. In the New Testament, do not give up meeting as some in other churches do. Do not give up meeting as some in their habit of doing. And it's interesting, Paul calls it a habit. You can get in the habit of not going and not being a part, of not connecting. And once you get in the habit, it's hard to break that. So we have got to continue to meet together as a church on Sundays and in our life groups. If you're not involved in a life group, let us know. We want to make sure. And we're, we're going down the list, and we're slowly but surely talking to people and saying, hey, you in a life group? Is Lake Point part of your church? Are you in a life group? Our, the life group that we're a part of, we're starting, starts this Tuesday in Emerson. We're super excited about it this Tuesday night. And so uh, get, a, get a part and be a part of a life group. Don't delay. The time is now. And it's interesting in that verse, that, um, that passage you read, repent and believe. He was talking to non-believers. Repent and believe. Repent in the Lord. Uh, re- repent of your sins and um, and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But as we look further and in this passage, and we talk about following Jesus, he's also talking to people who already believe. And I believe that he's also talking to the church today. This is what I believe. As The body of Christ, if you've accepted Christ as Savior, I believe there are times, there are seasons. I've done it. You may have done it as well. Where maybe you you weren't really following Christ like you should. And what what happened, what, what, what would be the next thing? The next thing would be to repent. How to repent of that. Repent means I'm going this way and I'm gonna go the opposite way. I'm gonna stop doing that. Okay, I'm going to stop putting other things in front of my time with the Lord. And so I'm repenting, but then I'm also believing in the fact that he will meet me and he will speak to me. And so when Jesus says repent and believe, he's talking to unbelievers, but he's also talking to people who already are following him and said, look, repent of your ways, the things that you hold on to. We're going to get to that more in a little bit. But the things that you hold on to, repent of that and believe. We need to believe. There's an urgency to that calling. And Jesus is calling all of us. The kingdom of God doesn't stop at our our, uh, conversion to Christ. Let me say that again. The kingdom of God... And if you have accepted Christ as Savior, you're a part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom is a heavenly kingdom that Jesus brought to earth. Okay? There is a connection. What, what is loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Okay? What is set free on earth is set free in heaven. There's a connection. And the thing that connects us is the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit connects us to heaven. It is a heavenly kingdom on earth. And if you've accepted Christ as Savior, that is awesome. But it doesn't stop at salvation. You being a part of the kingdom of God doesn't stop 
at your conversion to Christ. It goes beyond that. For example, I know I use this example a lot, but I could write a book on how our adoption story has helped us to understand God's heart for us. Lawson, Marion, and Lincoln were all born in Ukraine. They were speaking Russian. They memorized Ukrainian poems and ate Ukrainian food. If after coming to the United States to be a part of our family, they decided, you know what? I don't want to speak English. I want to speak Russian. And I want to make borscht. So it's a, it's a yucky soup in Ukraine. And Ukrainian kids would agree. It's awful. But if they decided, you know what? We're just going to hold on to what we had. Now, while they be Americans, yes, they are Americans because they were given a, they were adopted and they were actually given a U.S. passport. They are officially Americans. And they are part of, uh, you know, of America. But they would not be Americans in practice and lifestyle if they just held on to everything they had in the past. But I can tell you right now, they are full-blooded Americans. Or their lifestyle. They have served our country. They have cheered on our sports teams. Go Tigers. They have eaten fast food. Okay? They have, and this year for the first time, they will vote for the next president of the United States. Two of our kids can do that. I mean, it's amazing. Yes, they are going to do, so they're part of a new country. The same is true for the kingdom of God. Sure, you could be an official child of the kingdom by repenting and believing Jesus as Savior, but becoming a part of the kingdom of God in lifestyle means to repent and believe in Jesus as your shepherd. Following him and obeying him wherever he may lead. Following Jesus as your shepherd has the same urgency as accepting Jesus as your savior. Bottom line is this. Jesus wants to be your savior. And that's the initial decision you make when you invite him to be your savior. You ask him to forgive you of your sins. You repent. He wants to be your, your, your savior. But can I tell you something? He also wants to be your shepherd. And there's a difference. There's so many people who've accepted Christ as Savior, and He's our Savior, but He's not their shepherd. You know why? They don't follow Him. They don't follow Him. I think a sign that you are saved and Jesus is your, your Savior is that you are following him as the shepherd. It's not just my opinion, it's in God's word, but I'm not one to stand up here and say, you know, if you've ex- you accepted Jesus Christ and he's only your savior, you're not going to, to heaven because the thief on the cross didn't have a whole lot of time to follow Jesus as a shepherd, but he was the savior and that's all it takes. That's all it takes. And that's how good God's grace is. 
He will even accept you if you just have him as your savior. But can I tell you something? You're never going to be the person God wants you to be if you don't follow him as your shepherd. He needs to be your savior and he needs to be your shepherd. He's ready. He's not going to come in and say, all right, I'm your shepherd now. You must follow me. (laughs) No, 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 no. That's driving. That's a cowboy. Okay? Jesus is not a cowboy. He's a shepherd. He leads from the front, not from the rear. And so he just wants to lead you. But that, he's already made that decision. Now it's your decision. So the time is now to make him your shepherd by following him. How do you follow him? Well, lots of ways. But let me, let, let me break it down to three simple words. <laughs> Give, invite, connect. Give, invite, and connect. Some of us just may not be following him in those areas. And if you're not giving to the Lord, if you're not inviting people, telling people about Jesus, letting them know that you're a believer, just telling people, how can I pray for you? And if you're not connecting him, connecting with him, either in your personal time with the Lord or with the life group, I dare say, boldly, that it doesn't look like you're following him as your shepherd. So, I encourage you, make Jesus not only your savior, but your shepherd. Make him your shepherd. The time is now. Everybody say now. Now. Okay, so the call is an urgent call. Number two, the call is a personal call. It's a personal call. Uh, Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee. He saw two separate parties of fishermen. Um, These fishermen were all part of uh, this sort of um, uh, fishing enterprise. They were part of a a major operation. Um, And if you want to kind of get an idea of what it could have been like, uh, you can watch the Chosen series. We highly recommend it. And, and it kind of brings it to life. And it's funny, Suzanne and I were, uh, were laughing the other day. We were somewhere. And, um, and, and they said, imagine Jesus doing, so, you know, like, uh, doing something or feeding the 5,000. And, and we're just like, okay, the only Jesus we can imagine is the one from the chosen. <laughs> you know, it's like this. And some of you may have the, you know, the, the other Jesus, um, you know, from the old uh, pictures and the, and the children's stories and all that stuff. And that's great, whatever. But all I know is this, is that Jesus, when he calls you, he makes it personal. That's what he did with these fishermen. He called them by name. He called them by name. He singles four men out by name to follow him. He doesn't, and at this point, there's already a small crowd kind of following him. He didn't just say, hey, everybody, just follow me. Just follow me. They were just kind of doing that. But he specifically chose these disciples, his dream team, to follow him, starting with these four fishermen. When Jesus calls you, he calls you personally. And a lot of times, it will happen in the middle of just life. Just things that, that you're doing. He will call you to greater things. Now, sometimes he'll call you into a relationship with him, first-time relationship. 
Okay, with him? And sometimes he will call you to something greater, something bigger. He will draw you out into the wilderness. Hey, you need to do some of the more things in your life in order for me to speak to you, in order for you to experience all that I have for you. So I'm going to direct you out in the wilderness. And he will often do that in life's just mundane, simple things. Earlier, we sang a song called Revelation Song. It was written by Jenny Riddle. Okay, I, I have the great privilege of actually knowing Jenny. She actually told me um, several years ago, she goes, I asked her, I was like, what were you doing when Revelation Song came to your head? She goes, I was ironing. I was ironing. And then all of a sudden it hit me. I turned the iron off and I went to the piano and I, I wrote the song. And it was really fast. It was really quick. And really great songs usually are. And so she... Had just normal life, and God just interrupted her life. My grandfather, when he, when he was filled, when God called him into ministry, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was in a, uh, he was by the chickens. He was in the chicken coop. He was. He was in the hen house. And he got down on his knees on that dirt floor with chickens all around him. And he surrendered his life to him. The call will come at a time you least expect it. Something else to note about these disciples, they were rejected to be in rabbis or disciples. Every Jewish boy grew up wanting to be a rabbi or disciple of a rabbi. Why? Rabbis were cool. They had everything going for them. Uh, people looked up to them. And so these, these disciples, they went through all of that, but guess what? They weren't chosen. They were chosen. It's like you're not really being chosen to be part of the, the kickball team as a, as, as a child. But like the young boys and girls today in sports, on the sports field or on the gym, who want to play professional sports, only few will be chosen. And these guys weren't, weren't chosen. They were rejected. Which is cool because <laughs> Jesus was able to accept them at this... Um, even at the center of our adoption story, calling the children out by name who had been left alone, abandoned, rejected. Have you ever felt rejected in your life? Then you're a potential disciple of Jesus. In the middle of your rejection and your disappointment, Jesus can call you by name to follow him. These are people who Jesus is exactly looking for. Just like those disciples. It's not about being good enough. It's not about being good enough. Jesus is looking for people who will follow him even though they may feel rejected, shameful, or disappointed in themselves. So, the call is urgent. It's now. Now. Don't wait. The time is now. The call is personal. He will speak to you personally. He will call you out. He will call you to do great things. And some of you, he already, he's already done that, but you haven't, you haven't really answered that. Maybe you're, you're, you're not obeying him. Or maybe you just kind of put it off. But he's calling you. And I'm not saying just in the ministry, to be a minister. He's calling you to do Things that sometimes don't make sense to 
our normal earthly kingdom. God is calling you as a believer to do things that are part of the heavenly kingdom. Not just the earthly kingdom. And then last, it's a transformational call. Jesus told them, follow me and I will make you into fishers of men. I will make you into fishers of men. When Jesus calls you, it's on a journey. It would, t- it would be like Bilbo Baggins who dropped everything and proclaimed to others, I'm going on an adventure. It's time for you to step out of your comfortable shire and into an adventure. These four fishermen are going to spend about a year with Jesus and then about a year later, you know what Jesus does? He sends them out. <laughs> he sends them out to do what? Well, to heal the sick, drive out demons, preach the good news of the kingdom, doing exactly what Jesus is doing there in verse 14. After just a year with Jesus, he, they're calling him out to do that. They're, he's calling them out to, to do those things. When you say yes to following Jesus, he will enter into your rejection, into your shame, into your disappointment, and transform you into the person you were called to be. That's what he did with these guys, all 12 of them. And so if you feel like, well, I'm just not good enough. Well, you, you're right. You aren't good enough. Neither am I. And that's the beauty of it. Jesus wants to take just everything you are right now. And he's calling you to do great great things. He's calling you to follow him. Will you follow him? But Jesus can't transform you as long as you're holding on to the net. Bible says in another gospel that they drop their nets and followed him. If you're holding on to your checkbook for finances, if you're holding on to your reputation with certain friends, if you're holding on to your time, like I don't have time for life groups, I don't have time to connect with God personally or with others, you will never be transformed into what God has called you to be. You have a savior, yeah. You're part of the kingdom. But you don't have a shepherd. Now, he's there ready to be your shepherd. Yeah. He's already chosen you. You have to choose him. Are you following him? Are you following Jesus as your shepherd? How do you do that? I'm glad you asked. Give, invite. And connect. And again, that's just a summation. Those three words are just a, a summation of, of what's in, in the Bible, of what we should be doing, even commands we should be doing. So the time is now for you to drop your nets. That's the things you control, you like to control. It's like, this is my security. Those guys, that that net represented their security. It was their job. They dropped them. And they followed him. So, what net 
are you holding on to? What net are you holding on to? And so what do you need to drop in order to follow him as your shepherd? Because he's leading. Wherever you lead, I'll go. You can't sing that song if you're still holding on to the nets. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if we could, please. The preacher for Merge was talking a lot about following Jesus. It's no coincidence that that's what this message was going to be about today. So I just want to encourage you. I, I need you to visualize some of the things that could be in the nets that you are holding on to. Are you holding on to your security of funds, of money? Are you holding on to that? Are you holding on to your reputation? Afraid of what your friends, your family will think? Are you holding on to your time and selfish with your time? To not give some to the Lord in personal devotion and not to give it to others in a life group where you can help others, encourage others to grow in their faith. So whatever you're holding on to, I'm just going to take this moment and I want you to confess that. I want you to repent of that. Just right there in your heart in your mind just repent that Lord I'm, I'm sorry for not trusting you with the money you've given to me with the ability to work I'm sorry for holding on to all of it and not walking in obedience to show my trust with you and just releasing my tithe to you I'm sorry Lord for holding on to my reputation. <laughs> sorry, Lord, for not speaking up. I'm sorry, Lord, for worrying about what my friends at school or my friends at the job or family will think of me if I invite them to church. I release that. And I'm sorry, Lord, for holding on to my time and not giving you any time. I give that to you. I release that to you. So Jesus said, repent and what? Believe. Believe that God will meet your needs. Believe that God will have others drawn to church and see their life change. And you get to go to heaven with people that you have led to the Lord or that you have been a part of that process. Or that you can grow stronger in your faith by connecting with him. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Forgive us, O oh Lord. Lord, we repent and we believe. Thank you for being our Savior as we accept you. But even more, thank you for being our shepherd as we follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right.
Um, I hope that message spoke to you as it spoke to me as well. Trust me, I've, I've, I have some nets that I've got I've to drop as well. So God's dealing with me also, okay? And uh, he loves you. I love you. And uh, we're all just going just gonna to grow stronger in, in our faith together. Um, hey, don't forget next week. Hey, invite someone. Oh, look, there's that word again. <laughs> uh, invite someone to church next week. Our goal is to have 11 first-time people here. Why? Because we're turning 11. We actually turn 11 on Saturday the 10th, you know, but we're going to celebrate it on the 11th, okay? And so, you want to come back next week, invite a friend. We're going to have cupcakes. We're going to have a party. It's going to be awesome, and so you don't want to miss it, and uh, we're going to be in, uh, continue on in Mark. Uh, Love you guys, and we'll talk to you later. See you all next week. Thank you.